Amen. Hey, good morning. What's going on? All right, hand raise if you're going for the Chiefs. Chiefs? Five people are going for the Chiefs. All right. How about the Eagles? Eagles? How many could care less? You just want to eat a lot of food today. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I was heartbroken. The Bengals lost a couple weeks ago, but God's still on the throne. So, amen. Good to have you here today. Say hi to your neighbor on both sides. Come on, say what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up. Praise God. How many were here last Sunday? Let me see your hand. Pastor Philip crushed it. It was so awesome. Come on, let's just thank God for the man of God. Such a great, such a great sermon that I wrote, but uh, he got to preach it, so... Just kidding. Just kidding. Amen. Amen. God's good. God's, God's doing something in our church right now. Um, first service was like, it was crazy, just the ministry time and what God's doing. And uh, I was reading over the weekend, there's a college, Christian college called Asbury College in Kentucky where a revival broke out in the 70s and kind of spawned the Jesus movement. Um, and, uh, but that same revival is taking place on the campus at Asbury again. So somebody came and preached at a chapel service just about confessing and repenting and about five st- students said, hey, let's just stay after and ask God to move. And then that turned into eight students, 10, 12, 15, 20, the whole student body's just like, they canceling classes and just fired up for Jesus and uh, amen. And I'll, I'll take a piece of that too. How many want God to revive our city and our county and our state. Amen. Me too. Amen. All right. We're going we're gonna to read Acts 27. So grab your Bible there. Acts chapter 27. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what our theologians call the synoptic gospels because they're written about the same time, kind of the same stories. John is not part of the synoptic gospel, although it's a gospel, but uh, that's free. I didn't say that in the first service. I just love you way more than I do the first service. And then the book of Acts is the story of the first church. And uh, we're going to look at Acts chapter 27. Title of the message is How to Survive a Storm. Yeah. How to Survive a Storm. Let's say it together. Ready? How to Survive a Storm. Before we, before we stand to our feet, I, I'm going to do a little family talk. Is that cool? I'll come over to my favorite section. Is it okay if we do a little family talk here? All right. How many believe that God is on the throne? How many believe that, uh, that he, that we inhabit the praise of his people? How many believe that this is not just like some other thing that we do on the weekend? It's like, oh, I had to wash the car, take the dog to the vet, and oh, I got to go to church. But how many know that, that God's actually here? The Bible says where two or three people gather together, he's here. We don't need to invite him here. We just acknowledge that he's here. Now, imagine if, that he, if he actually sat in the service right next to you. Uh, people are like, well, I'd be like high-fiving him. No, you'd be on your face before him, like the 24 elders around the throne just declaring, holy, holy, holy is he. And uh, so the fact is he is here. Amen. Say he's here. So because he's here, I think, um, I think it'd be really good if we would just have more manners To, to give reverence to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So just a couple things. Just because in this service last week, I, I, 
I did the greeting, offering, communion, and then I went and said hi to all the teachers. And then I sat in the back when Pastor Philip was preaching and it was crazy. Like it was crazy, like crazy. And I'll tell you what was great. Like it was crazy. Let me just back up. A couple things we can do to just give honor to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is we could just be on time to service. The, the nice pastor is going to be back next week, but uh, the angry one's going to be here today. So God, God's called me to pastor the church, and we already just said God's here, and we want to honor his presence. So uh, the service starts at 11 o'clock, and I was just amazed. I was back there at like 11, 11.30. Then Philip got up to preach, and it's like 11.40. Like, 11.40? Now listen, I know there's emergencies. And I'm not talking about like the emergency. I'm talking about... Like same people every week, you show up like 20, 30 minutes late on, like he's here. We just got to, like I was raised in the Catholic chair. You just got up and moved and did whatever you want. And, but, but God's here and we want to just give reverence to where reverence is due. So listen, there are emergencies, but if the service starts at 11, I think it'd be awesome if you got here at 1045, got in your seat and uh, just started to pray and get ready for the service. And uh, so if you, listen, if you have kids, you're going to have to get here before 10:45 to drop them off, and if you want to, you want to get coffee, you're probably gonna to have to get here at 10:30, and then get here. Like I, I doubt anybody that has a ticket for the Super Bowl today is gonna to be showing up at like five o'clock for the game. And if they can do that for the Eagles and Chiefs, we can do that for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God bless you guys. We'll see you next. So someone say on time, on time. And uh, this is always a, kind of a lose-lose situation, but parents with kids, if you, uh, if you feel like I want my kid in the service, and there's a lot of reasons why people have their kids in the service. I'm talking like little guys, like four, five, six. I don't know. If I was four or five or six, I would not want to listen to me. And we have classrooms, everybody's background checked, and they have a, a specific um, teaching just for your little kid. And I'm just, it's going to be hard for a four or five-year-old to sit in a service for 90 minutes and then then they're going to start making noise, and guess what's going to happen? An usher who's a volunteer is going to have to come over and say, excuse me. They're going to be really nice and say, excuse me. Is there any way you can go outside? On the inside, they're saying, your kid's a little brat, and he's not shut, right? It's a, you put them in an awkward position, and so if you have to have your kid in the service, we're asking you to sit way in the back, and if they start making noise, take them out to the lobby, the overflow room, things like that, and... Uh, just it's out of respect for God and the people around you and everyone said amen, okay? This is honestly really for the first service, but I thought I would practice on the second service. All right, Get, getting up and moving around. Listen, if, if you have, I would say please don't, like once the service starts, just you're in your chair unless, unless there's an emergency. Here, here's what I know, because I, I was a youth pastor for eight years. God, God starts moving, the Holy Spirit's here, then people just get all... Oh, I don't want. To, I, I can feel God, and I, I got to get out. They start getting uncomfortable, especially a lot of young people. And then, like last week, they're just getting up and I'm like, where, "Where are you going?" Like, and and if you're on call or something, then sit in the back. And if you have to leave the service, listen. If you have to, I'm not. I'm not saying that you can't. But if you have to, when you come back in, let's say you're sitting in the front row, and you have, to, you know how distracting that is. You get up, move. Everybody's looking at you, and then you come back. You I'm like. So if you have to leave, get a seat in the back back and don't cause a commotion to the people around you. Amen. 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 It's important. Muy importante. So important because God's here and we want to honor the presence of God.
Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. <laughs> nobody turn. That's all right. That's all right. All right. I love you. But I love Jesus more. Stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God. Acts chapter 27. By the way, here's another thing. When you get here early, if you can, just like move all the way to the middle. Um, that, that would be helpful to the ushers. And nothing worse than somebody that gets here. I'm just on a rant. Somebody gets here early and they're on the end row, you know, like second song. They're just like going for it. And then an usher has to tap you on the shoulder. Hey, would you stop worshiping for a second? Because this loser, I'm just kidding. This I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Steve, behave yourself. Ready? Let's get into the word. The palabra de Dios. Acts 27, verse 9. I'm going to read down through verse 15. Can you handle six verses? And then I'll pick up the rest of the passage uh, in a few minutes. Acts 27, verse 9 through 15 out of the NIV translation. I'm ready to read. Just say, much time. Someone say much time. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous. By now, it was after the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to the apostle Paul, said, said follow the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. By the way, I, I, I think I probably would have too. I mean, I know he's an apostle and everything, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but Paul, what do you know about ships and storms? But anyhow, we'll get, we'll get back to that. Verse 12, since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority, someone say the majority, decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix, Arizona. Now, that's, that's not Phoenix, Arizona, although that's a good place to winter in as well. And winter there, this was a harbor in Crete, little island off of Greece, Facing both southwest and northwest, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm. How many have ever been a, caught by a storm? I'm not talking about like out in the ocean. Come on, raise your hand, caught by a storm, like a physical storm, a financial storm, a relational storm, a parental storm. Parents, where are you at, parents? Don't raise your hand, your kids are right near you, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a parental storm, an occupational storm, an, an emotional storm, a psychological storm, a spiritual storm. God, where are you? So we're going to talk about how to survive a storm, but not out on the sea and I got a life jacket, but how to deal with the storms of life. Amen. Father, thank you for the word of God, the people of God, the spirit of God that's in this place. And we ask, Lord, as I preach, we say this all the time, that the messenger is nothing, but we're fired up about the message. Word would not fall on thorny soil, but God, it would produce what you purpose it to produce in our lives. And God, that we would be Nike Christians. We would just do it. 
Not just hear it, but we would do the word. Otherwise, your word says in the book of James, we look in a mirror and walk away and don't make any changes. So we're here to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us. We need your encouragement. We need your presence. We ask your blessing on the preaching of the word of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. Go ahead and kick your shoes off if you want. Unless you didn't shower this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ready to talk about some storms. You know what I thought? I, I thought when I got saved in 1985 that my storms would go away. How many know that uh, whether you're a Christian, a new Christian, an elder in a church, how many know it doesn't matter you're going to face storms? It doesn't matter if you're black or white, Hispanic, Asian, male, female. Come on, I'm preaching already, right? You're going to face some storms. I faced all kinds. I faced financial storms, relational storms, spiritual storms, financial storms, physical storms. You know about my storms. And uh, we, we, the Bible says that it rains or storms on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous. So just because you got saved and you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean that you're going to avoid the storms of life. Can I get an amen in the house? So I, I say this all the time. I've been saying this for 25 years. Right now, you are either in a storm. Raise your hand if you're in a storm right now. Let me just see your hand. You're in a storm. You're going through something. Come on, encourage the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands down. How many of you just felt like you got out of a storm? Out of it. You just got out of it, okay? So if you didn't raise your hand for in a storm or just got out of it, guess what? You're about to go right through it. That's, that's life, isn't it? You're either in one, you just got out of one, or you're about to go into one. That's just the facts of life. I, I wish I could pray it away. I wish it weren't true, but, but, but it is. And so we're all going to face storms. I'm going to talk about three main things. Uh, number one, write this in your notes. First of all, I want to talk about the reason. Someone say the reason. The reason. Why, why do I go through storms? What are the causes of my storms? Uh, Here's three things. Uh, number one, the, the first reason is I, I'm at a storm because, here it is, storms I cause. Storms I cause. I would love to blame my spouse. I'd love to blame my kids. I'd love to even blame the devil. But sometimes I'm in a storm because of something that I did. Can I get a witness in the house? Wish I could blame my boss, my coworker, my friends. It's like uh, Jonah. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, preach the gospel. There's going to be revival. And he's like, no. Nah. I think I'll go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. What happened when he was disobedient to God? He got caught in a storm in the belly of a fish. And so it was a decision that he made. Come on, I, I just want to put my hands up and declare, I've been in a lot of storms in my life, not because my wife made a decision, my kids made a decision, the staff made a decision, because I made a decision. You know what I'm talking about? People are like, I'm in a financial storm. I know you're making... $2,000 a month and your car, you just got a car, brand new, your lease payment is $1,000. Why did you, why are you paying $1,000 a month when you're only bringing in $2,000? It's a financial storm. No, you're reckless with money. I'm at a relational storm. We told you not to marry her. She's crazy. She was always crazy. She'll always be crazy. We warned you. We told you not to do it. We cautioned you. We counseled you. You went ahead and married her anyhow. I'm in a storm. We told you he was lazy. We told you. We told you not to date a non-Christian. 
You know, a, a gal came up here after the first service, and I, I, I'm not going to get into the details, but would have saved her a whole lot of... She would have never went out with them in the first place. Verbally abusive. Listen, so sometimes I'm in a storm because I make dumb decisions. I just, like, I, I just can't keep my job. I, I got fired like three times. It's like I got three bad bosses. Could it be that you're late all the time? You gossip about everybody. You have a bad work ethic. You're incompetent. Storms, I cause. Someone say, I cause. Somebody else says, I wish I could blame the devil or my parents. No, no. Storms, I cause. I, I love this. A lot, of, a lot of high school kids or college kids are like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't, didn't get any time on the team this year because, like, the coach has favorites. No because he's better than you. That's why they're starting and you're not. Like, do you think a college coach whose job is on the line, they're just going, I'm going to play favorites. No, no. They're going to get fired if they don't win, right? They just say, yes, favorite. No, no, no. You were at the beach all summer long, and the guy that's starting in front of you was lifting weights and working out. That, that, that's, so you can't blame anybody else. Storms I cause. Someone say storms I cause. But sometimes, number two, sometimes I'm in a storm because the decisions of other people. Storms, other cause. Check it out in verse 10. Men, I came to see our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo to our own lives. Notice, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. So Paul's in a storm because of the decisions of other people. Have you ever been in a storm because of a decision someone else made? I mean, as a parent, you can be in a storm because of something stupid your kid does. It's true. I mean, you know, kids can be in a storm because of the incompetence of a parent. You know what really breaks my heart? When I hear about a pastor that has an affair or something, think about it. The pastor that has the affair, 95, 99% of the time, it's always the man that has the affair. But look, it, I, I, could, I can name names. I'm not going to name names. But they lose their church, their reputation, their integrity, their platform, their position, their salary, their friends, their everything. You know what breaks my heart? Is so does she. She didn't do anything. And she loses her job, her friends, her church, her community, her salary. And so she's in a storm because of a decision her husband made. Notice in verse 12, the majority decided. I mean, if Moses in the wilderness would have surveyed two to three million people and said, hey, should we like head to the promised land or go back to Egypt? What do you think they would say? Let's go back to Egypt. I mean, if Joshua and Caleb would have surveyed the other 10 spies, they would have never made it into the promised land. You got to be careful who you listen to. Because Peter at one time said, Jesus said, who, who am I? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that? And then he just denied him the next day. I don't even know the man. I think Pastor Philip said last week, one week they were laying down palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The next week they were saying, Crucify him. You got to be careful following the majority. I'll, I'll prove it. At the count of three, take your finger like this. At the count of three, I want everybody in the room to point to due north. And then keep your, I said at the count of three. <laughs> so his arms are like, exploded off your shoulder there. Okay, so you're going to point and then keep it there. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Keep it, keep it there. Okay, I, so, I got some people going this way, some people going this way, some people going that way, some people going up. We are in serious trouble. 
I mean, we all, we all have an opinion. We all think, we all th right? And so you can't follow the majority because oftentimes the majority is wrong. So storms I cause, storms other cause. How about this? Storms God allows. Storms God allows. This is the hard part, the storms that God allows. Here it is. Why does God allow storms in my life? Well, let me ask you the question. What are the times in your life, what are the times that you, are, that you really pursue God? You come to church, read your Bible, pray. Is it A, when everything's hunky-dory, relationships are awesome, marriage is incredible, I love you. Kids are, I mean, kids are just on fire. They, they're memorizing like 15 Bible verses a week. I mean, you got more than enough money in the Or is it B, what all hell is breaking loose in your life? Hey, the answer is B, right? So sometimes God allows us to go through difficult things, the storms of life, because he wants to get our attention to build something in us. Build integrity, build faith, build trust, build character. And it's in those difficult times that he allows the storms in our life. Is that true? It's true. So the reason for storms, number two, let's try, talk about this, the reality of storms. The reason, number two, the reality. Come on, it's real. Storms are coming. Someone say storms are coming. <clears throat> I love this, verse 13. It sounds just so pretty and poetic, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow. I'm just like, ah. You guys are a little late to the party, so I'll, I'll read that. And give me your most, like, dramatic, oh. I, I said I'll read. <laughs> I said I'll read that, and then I want you to, and then you're already going, oh. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow. Yeah, do, doesn't that sound, like, soothing and just sounds oh, like, how, life is like that sometimes. It's like your honeymoon, you're just like staring at each other. So incredible. Sitting on the beach, your, your eyes are like pools of sapphire. <laughs> Wait till you get back from the honeymoon, right? When a gentle south wind began to blow. Sometimes life's like that. They saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sat along the shore of Crete before very long. I like 13. 13's awesome. When a gentle south wind began to, verse 14, but be very long. 2020, coming into 2022, I was just like, this is going to be awesome. Because we had kind of two years of hell. I'm like, 2020, this is going to be awesome. First things first, it was like, yeah. Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Like, this is amazing. It was verse 13. Just like a gent, it was like the first three weeks is incredible. Like, this is awesome. And then I had kidney failure, which turned into cancer. I mean, it just happens like that. You go to the doctor, you oh, I just feel like I got a cold or the flu or COVID, and boom, you get a diagnosis. You've been at the company 25 years, and he says, Hey, I want to just talk. You think you're getting a raise or a promotion? He lets you go? I mean, it just happens that quickly. Storms are, they're real. Someone say they're real. I, I think my da oldest daughter, Riley, was probably three or four. I took her to the park. So this is like 25 years ago. And uh, I'm just pushing her on the swing. Just doing the dad thing. Out of nowhere, boom, I get hit in the head with a rock. No, I, I just came. And I, I looked, I'm like looking around. I thought it was like an angry church member or something. I'm like, what, what did I say? 
And, uh, and then I look over and there's this kid, probably six or seven years old. And, and I look over and he's like, <laughs> he had like a big dirt clod and he threw it and hit me right in the forehead. And it looked like his grandma. She said, hey, are you okay? And I said, yeah, the little guy, I said he threw it and he hit me in the head. She goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm writing your license plate now. <laughs> the attorney will be contacting. No, I didn't say that. She's all, did you do that? And he's like, <sighs> it was awesome. So she sits down there and she puts the six or seven-year-old on her lap and she's just like, bang, bang, bang. How would you, you hit that? And I said, I'm like, that is awesome. So I, I sat down with some popcorn and a Diet Coke. I'm like, this is good. It's better than any movie I've been to. And she just spacked that kid. You're like, I don't really appreciate that. I don't believe in spanking. You should read your Bible then. You're like, we don't believe in spanking. We believe in timeouts. I believe in timeouts too. A timeout is how long it takes, how much time it takes for his rear end to cool off after you spank him. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's 15. But I just remember like just minding my own business and boom, out of nowhere. How many know storms are like that? Minding my own business and out of nowhere. Gentle south wind, boom. Now vehement hurricane winds. The reality of storms, here's three things that storms do, ready? Number one, they cause us to drift. They cause us to drift. Before very long, verse 14, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. Notice this. So we gave way to it and we were, notice this key phrase here. We were driven along. Someone say driven along. So the storm came and we were driven along. Look at me. I want to know, are you driven by what you see or what God said? Are you driven along by your past or by your future, about your, your despair and your discouragement or your destiny? Are you, are you driven along by people and problems or by the power of God? Notice that they were driven along. And if you're not careful, when you walk through a storm, you start drifting away ultimately to Jesus Christ. Notice this verse on the screen, Luke twenty two fifty four. 54. It says, then seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, what? Followed him. This is so key. How did he follow him? At a distance. Followed him at, someone say a distance. You know, when you start following Jesus at a distance, it sounds like this on Saturday night, your friend calls, hey, want to play golf tomorrow? Uh, can't tomorrow. How come? Well, I go to church. You do what? Well, Sundays the family goes to church. You're like, you make chicken on Sunday? No. No, we go to, we go to church. Can't go because we go to church. Oh, come on. You're not, you're not. Really? You guys are one of like those Bible thumper people, religious? No, like not, not at all. My wife kind of makes me go and... That's what following Jesus at a distance is. I mean, you can follow Jesus at a distance on Sunday morning. Kind of close enough to him to kind of feel the presence of God, sing a couple of the songs, but not to be intimate with him. Peter following at a distance. Following Jesus at a distance doesn't happen overnight. You know, when, when a school shooting happens, you know, the debate's always like, 
Oh, we got to ban guns. It's always about guns and guns. And I'm not here to give an opinion about guns. But you know what? Nobody ever wants to talk about the 15-year-old boy that, how about like the home life? How about his parents were divorced? How about all he does is he raised himself? How about maybe he was abused? How about all he does is watch violent video games? And, and we're just looking at the final thing. No, this happened, this happened five years ago, eight years ago, ten years ago. We just want to talk about the gun. No, no, no. It's, it was a, something happened in the family. Something happened with the family. So I'm not surprised. Like, it's heartbreak. I'm not surprised. Like, it happened a long time ago. That's why you got you to deal with this early distance thing. Because, listen, you, so what are you doing if you feel like you're following them at a distance? You got to get back to the basics. I, I met with someone in the lobby after last. It was someone in this service. I was in the lobby and they said, we haven't been here in a couple months. I'm like, how come? We've just been going through a lot, a lot of storms. And I'm like, no, no, no. When you're going through a storm, you, you, you got to be in the house of God. Listen, what the devil wants is to isolate you. And it's, listen, it's, it's one small lie. It's a little compromise here and there. And we, we hear about like killings. It didn't happen, this, it happened way back here. Something happened. It was small, subtle lies, areas of compromise. And if you're not careful, if you don't deal with it at the distance, we get in trouble. You ever been to the beach? I've used this illustration here. The beach with your family, you got your boogie board. Hey, mom, I'm going to the water. And you and your buddies go in the water, you're, you're boogie boarding or surfing, right? And an hour, and then you look back, you're like, they left me. <laughs> My parents left me at the beach. No, they didn't leave you at the beach. You didn't realize for the last hour, the current has taken you down like three lifeguard stations. How many know, the current in our world, if you're not careful, it'll start causing you to drift. So storms cause us to drift. Number two, if you don't deal with the drifting stage, it turns into the second stage. Storms cause us to, number two, discard. We start throwing stuff away. And that's what happens in the text, verse 18 and 19. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. It's like tossing the cargo. Verse 19, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Cargo goes first, tackle goes next. Come on, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. 25 years as a senior pastor, eight years as a youth pastor. I've seen so many people toss stuff away. Like, you call, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, we're just going through some stuff. I know, you need to be in the house of the Lord. Yeah, we'll probably be back sometime. You stop seeing them at church. You stop seeing them at the life group. That's why you need to go to a small group because like, you can duck and dodge in here. We try our best. It's like, hey, have you seen some? I don't know. Did you, I don't know. But you're in a small group of people. They're going to be calling you like, hey, where are you, sucker? I would just stop going to church, just going through a hard time. And you stop seeing them go to church, go to small groups, stop reading the Bible, stop praying, stop coming to midweek. And then you hear, oh, yeah, they just tossed their marriage away. She tossed her virginity away. They tossed their integrity away. I'm telling you, if you don't deal with it at the distance, following him at a distance, it will turn into you throwing things overboard that you'll regret for the rest of your life. Throwing your integrity away, your purity away, your virginity away, your marriage away, your dreams away, your hope away, your job away, you fill in the blank. Deal with it at the drift, it'll turn into, number two, discard. And if you don't, listen, if you don't deal with it there, then it gets really bad. Here's the third thing, storms cause us to despair. Despair. 
Look at this, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Have you ever felt like that? It's just like so dark. Man, it got so bad that they couldn't, it was just dark when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. I think you probably know this, but like these fishermen, this was over 2,000 years ago, they didn't have like radios and radar. So how did they navigate the storm? The stars, the sun, the shore. But when it gets so dark, you can't see anything, then what happens is, and then in, at the end of verse 20, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Some of you feel like that. I just, I've given up all hope. Things are not going to get better. I'll never feel any different. Marriage will never turn around. Finances will never get better. That's why the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Have you ever been there? It's just like it goes from bad to worse, bad to worse, bad. To, this is what's going on in the text. So they, they, they went from like following at a distance to discarding stuff to like, man, we've lost all hope. I was reading my devotions this week. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope. We have, we have confident hope in Jesus. Man, I speak faith into your life. Look, 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 look at me. Things are going to turn around in your life. I don't know when, I'm not promising by the end of the week, if you give like $10 that God's gonna give you a roll. No, no, I'm just saying, things are gonna turn around in Jesus' name. You're gonna get through this storm. The devil wants you to quit and give up. I speak faith into your life in Jesus' name. Perseverance, endurance in the name of Jesus. Check out verse 21, the ladies are gonna like this verse. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice. That's an awesome Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> men, you should have taken my advice. Can I get a high-pitched amen from all the ladies in the house? Yeah. Come on, I didn't hear you. What? Yeah. Men, you should have taken my advice. I'm going to preach that on Mother's Day. Not to sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. I love verse 22. But now. Someone say, but now. Come on, say, but now. And I was feeling kind of low, but now. I was feeling a little discouraged, but now. I was feeling a little alone and afraid, but now. Someone say, but now. I was feeling overwhelmed, but now. My finances were like in the toilet, but now. My health was going south, but now. Come on, say, but now. So it just seems like all hell was breaking loose, all hope was being lost, but he says, you know what, but now. Check out verse 21. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Listen, your finances might be down, but you can keep your courage up. Your relationships might be down, but God can bring you better relationships. Listen, your health could be going south, but it doesn't have to affect your joy. But now I urge you to keep your courage because none of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Hey, you're gonna get to the destination, but you're gonna lose the ship. I was careful how I said that. You're going to get to the destination, but you're going to lose the ship. Let the ship represent anything that you think you can't live without. Friendships, companionships, relationships, gym memberships, sponsorships, leaderships. I don't know. But check out, the ship might be going down, but it doesn't mean I'm going down. The relationship might fall apart. doesn't mean that I'm falling apart. My finances might be in a pickle, but doesn't mean that I have to be in a pickle. 
So I'm ready for this. Number three, the, the rescue. So we're all going to face storms of many kind. What's the rescue? What's the hope in the middle of the storm? I, I love this in Acts 27, 29. Acts 27, 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors. How many? Four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. I don't have four. I got three. I got three anchors. So, Pastor Steve, what, what do I do? I'm in a storm right now. You know how many people raised their hand earlier when I had you raise your hand? Probably half the building. You're in a storm right now. Well, in verse 29, chapter 27, they laid an anchor. I want to give you three of them. Ready? Here's the first anchor that you need to lay down in the storm that you face. God's presence. God's presence. I thought I'd get like an amen or something out of that. That's good. God's presence. I'm like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? Verse 23. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, notice this, stood beside me. There it is. An angel of God stood beside me. The first anchor in the storm is the presence of God. Think about, I mean, put yourself in Moses' shoes. You're not a good speaker. Most theologians believe that he was a stutterer. God's like, hey, you're going to deliver all of my people out of Egypt into the promised land. He's like, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't talk. talk, talk. He's like, I know, I'm going to give you your brother Aaron. He'll do most of the talking, but here's the key thing. My presence will go with you. That's, that's, the, that's the slam dunk. That's the ace card. So he passes away, and Joshua is now, Moses didn't get to lead the Israelites into the promised land because of sin. So God's like, Joshua, you're the guy. Joshua had to be thinking like, I don't know if I'm the guy. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. The Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go to the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. This presence of God is all over the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between. The presence of God. The angel stood beside them. I love that. Listen, you're not alone. You might feel like you're alone, but you got the presence of God. I remember when I was a little boy. How many used to like camp out in the backyard when you're like six, seven years old? You'd bring your friends over and cherry Kool-Aid, Cheetos, Oreo cookies. I mean, the night is going phenomenal until it gets dark. Because you always got that idiot friend that starts telling like Hannibal Lecter stories. Yeah, the person that bought this house before you killed three people and buried them in the... And you're there in the tent, and it gets dark and stuff, and you're like, this is scary. But I mean, you know, you endure the night because you, you know. At least I, I knew my mom would probably come out a couple times throughout the night and check on us. I knew my parents, like, their, their bedroom was right over the backyard. I knew they'd be looking down on us. And I knew that if it got really scary, I would just go in in the middle of the night and told my friends, I just wasn't feeling good, so... No, but you know that your parents are pitching a tent in your backyard. You know the Heavenly Father is pitching a tent next to you? Listen, this is, we quote this all the time, but he'll never leave you. He's not going to leave you. I'm so sorry that other people have left you. Your parents left you, your grandparents, your husband, your wife, your kids, your... But he'll, he'll never leave you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Sounds like the same thing to me, leave and forsake. No. I'll never physically leave you or emotionally abandon you. 
presence of God. You're going to get to the other side. You're going to get through the storm because of the presence of God. That's my first anchor in the storm. Can someone give me an amen in the house? Number two, God's presence. Number two, second, second one. God's presence, God's, God's purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God's purposes, verse 24, do not be afraid, Paul. You looking at verse 24? Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, you're not going down because I have an assignment for you. Basically, I got a plan. You're going to go to Rome and you're going to preach the gospel in Caesar's court. So you're, you're going to survive this storm because I got something better for you over here. Most of you know my story. I was playing basketball. More Park College got saved. I was going to go. I had some Bible, I had some offers to play basketball at Westmont, Biola, some other schools, and I got radically saved, and I just felt like I was going to go to Bible college. So I went to Bible college in Echo Park, California. So I, listen, I gave up free education to go to Echo Park, California. Now, Echo Park right now is kind of a little bougie, There's some, but back then it was, it was, it was hood. You know that lake there? They used to dig bodies out like once a year. It was, it was bad. And I never really questioned like God's plan for my life until after my sophomore year in the summer. I, was work, I wasn't lazy. I was working two part-time jobs, but it's expensive to pay college, books. And I basically ran out of money one week, too proud to call anybody back home. I was like, I'm going to do this. So I had like a couple bucks. I just went down to the grocery store, bought a loaf of bread and some turkey meat. And for like a whole week, that's all I had three times a day. And it was the only time I just questioned, like, the, like God, did you, like, and I could, I could be rocking at Westmont. It's beautiful up there, full scholarship, not having to pay a thing. And why am I here having to Echo Park? And God came through. And I graduated Bible college. I know you're going to be shocked with honors. I know, I know. Don't be clapping for me, clap for him. Because that, I had a little yellow thing. I was like, I've seen those before. I've never had one around my neck. And I told you, high school, I barely graduated high school. I was in the top 10% of the bottom 5% of my high school. <laughs> graduated with honors at Moorpark College before I got saved. My, I only got dumped one time in my life. Me and my girl, we were going out for a couple of years. She went to Chico, met some guy, calls him. She's all, Oh, uh, yeah, I found a new guy. So I remember sitting at the bench at Moorpark College. I was just devastated. <laughs> People are walking by, hey, you, you okay, man? I'm like, oh, I'm good. God's really touching me right now. <laughs> no, I was like, I was, I was devastated. I got dumped. I, what? How are you dumping me? So I go to Bible college, I graduate with honors, meet my wife. Huh? Hey, Christian Baywatch. That's what I'm talking about right now. And I was so heartbroken, like, I'm like, check out what I got now. I got to play basketball in Spain two or three different times, Africa. I've been to Indonesia, Hong Kong, Philippines, Italy, all over the world. I preached to thousands about like youth camps, men's conferences. I would have never traveled like I travel now if, listen, you can't convince me that God's plan for my life was always for my good, even when it didn't feel good. Jeremiah 29, we, we quote, he, 
I know the plans that he has for me. What are they, man? Just like to make me miserable? No, to give you a future and a hope. He's got plans for you, and they're awesome plans. To give you a future and a hope. Some of you got, some of you got dumped like a year ago. Yeah, thank God for his plan. Because you get on Facebook or the gram right now, and you look at them, and you're like, thank you, Jesus. I didn't marry them. You'd be in therapy right now. Am I preaching? You'd be divorced right now. You'd be miserable right now. Thank God he didn't let you marry that person. And everyone said amen. The purposes of God. I don't know about you. Sometimes I used to wrestle all the time like, okay, this storm right now. Is this storm, is it instigated by Satan or is it allowed by God? Instigated by Satan or allowed by, I don't know. Is it instigated by Satan? Who cares? How about this? Can it be both? Could it be an attack from the enemy that God's allowing in my life to build purpose, maturity, destiny, liberty in my life? Listen, if you get stuck in the reason, you'll miss the revelation. You gotta have a reason for everything. You're gonna miss the revelation. I, I love this verse, Nahum, chapter one, verse three. You're like, Nahum? I've never heard that. Yeah, it's a book in the Bible. Nahum, chapter one, verse three. Check this out. It's coming on the, the Lord has his way. The Lord has his plans. The Lord has his purposes in the whirlwind and in the what? Storm. Doesn't matter if it's instigated by Satan or allowed by God. Check it out. It had to go through God's hands to get to me. So the presence of God, the purposes of God. Here's the third thing. The promises of God. The promises of God. How many are grateful for the promises of God? Over 7,000 promises. Verse 25 says, so keep your courage, men. Your faith might be down, but your courage doesn't have to be. Your finances might be down, but your attitude doesn't have to be. Your health might be down, but your joy doesn't have to be. Here it is. Why? Keep up your courage. Why? For I have faith in God. There it is. There it is. That's how I know things are going to be okay, because I have faith in God. I didn't put my faith in the ship in the first place. I didn't put my faith in anybody else on the ship, in the pilot of the ship. My faith is in God. How do you know you're going to get to the other side? Because your faith is in him. Faith, it's the evidence of things, or substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see it, but I put my faith in him. Listen, and I love this. You're going to miss it if you just read too quickly. Verse 25. So keep up your courage, for I have faith in God. Notice it that it will happen just as he told me. It's gonna happen. I know it, I know it looks dark right now. Can't see the shore, there's, can't see the sun or the stars, all hell's breaking loose in your life. You're gonna get to the other side. It will happen, someone declare it. I can't hear you, what, what? It will happen by the grace of God. You might have to go through some things. It might be a little inconvenient. There might be a little adversity, but you're going to get through it. You're going to get through the marriage. You're going to get through these parenting teen years. You're going to get through this job. Keep your heart right. Keep your attitude right. Keep your joy up. You're going to get through it in the name of Jesus. It will happen. Not necessarily how you thought it would happen. Not how you wanted it to happen. Not how you conceived it could happen, but it's gonna happen because God's purposes will be fulfilled in your life. We started this 
sermon by asking people who's going through a storm. If you are one of those that lifted up your hand, I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you right now. Go ahead and stand up. Physical storm, financial storm, relational storm, marital storm, emotional storm, spiritual storm. God, where are you? So I want to say the same thing I told to the young kid after service. Look at me. Don't isolate yourself. Don't try to serve Jesus solo. That's what the enemy wants you to stop coming to church, stop reading your Bible, stop praying, stop going to your small group. Just do it all on your own. And you're going you're to start drifting. The Christian life was never meant to be run solo. So what, what do you do if you feel like you're drifting? Go back to the basics. Read, pray, fast, worship. I don't feel like it. Do it anyhow. And he'll restore unto you the joy of your salvation. Listen, do you know the devil can't steal your salvation? So what does he do? He goes after the joy of your salvation. You're going to get it back. Listen, I... I prophetically speak over your life in the name of Jesus. You're going to get through this for the glory of God and for your good. You're going to be stronger because of it. You're going to be wiser because of it. You're going to be more anointed because of it. I know you don't under, like, oh, why is God allowing this? And I've had the same questions the last three years. But I've just had to surrender and say, God, you are in control on the throne. You are good. So I... I just speak perseverance into your life, endurance. You will reap a harvest if you don't quit. That's Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for my brothers and sisters going through all kinds of hell. Some verbally abused, some sexually abused, some physically abused, some lost their jobs, some had a diagnosis over their life, some in a broken marriage, a failing marriage, some with wayward kids, some recently with just a loss of a job, loss of an opportunity, loss of a promotion. And we feel like the Apostle Paul. We feel like we've lost all hope. We have to admit that hope deferred or hope put off makes our hearts sick. But we do, verse 25, we put our faith in you because we know it's gonna happen. It will happen. Would you say that out loud? It will happen by faith. It will happen. Come on, one more time, say it out loud. It will happen. One more time. It's going to happen. When? Like when? I don't know. It's going to happen. For some, it'll be a day. For some, it'll be days. Some will be weeks. But God's purposes and plans will be accomplished in our lives. So we thank you for the Holy Spirit that's here.